It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Oh, it's going to be a big show. Can you believe it? One day to the final debate, and we have 13 days till Election Day. And so many of you, 36 million plus, have voted. Uh, it is exciting, and I know you're excited. Those numbers are too high not to be. Dr. Mark Siegel joining us on the number one issue in the world today, and that's the It looks like the second wave of the coronavirus. It's slamming Europe, and it's beginning to uh, really rocket up our cases. We're at 58,000, but the good news is more and more people are surviving because the death rates are basically flat along with hospitalizations, but it's still a challenge. Carl Rove at the bottom of the hour. The president's message on the stump yesterday changed dramatically because he went to Erie, Pennsylvania. And despite what it says in the Washington Post, the president doesn't reluctantly or lament the fact he's going to Erie, Pennsylvania. He brought up the fact that the coronavirus has him campaigning really hard, but he probably wouldn't have needed to had it not come because the economy would have been so good, especially in Pennsylvania. That's a lot different than it's being portrayed, as well as that you're about to hear why things are going a lot better for the president than you would be led to believe. Uh, So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. The negotiations have entered a new phase, which is more on the technical side of trying to get the language right if we can agree upon the numbers. We're still apart, still a number of issues to work on, but the last 24 hours have moved the uh, the ball down the field. Kinda. COVID-19 cases rise. What does it mean for the rescue package as almost every day? De- Democracy in the West is experiencing a false surge, and I don't think you can blame that on President Trump. You can blame it on China. And what are the chances of a new stimulus package that you just heard Mark Meadows talk about? Mitch McConnell seems to be a roadblock. Is that the best way to make a case for your vote in November? Number two. What I would love to hear is an on-the-merits, based-on-the-facts denial of the fact that these are Hunter Biden's emails. I have yet to hear that. Senator Mike Lee, one of the few senators speaking out aggressively outside of the White House. Hunter emails another international business deal linked to yet another nation, Kazakhstan. Add that to China, Romania and Ukraine. How is the rest of the media getting away with ignoring and still misportraying this story? Why is big tech aiding the illusion? We'll try to explain. Number one. What we've noticed is that these polls are predominantly missing the, you know, the hidden Trump vote. These people are, are a lot more hesitant to not participate in polls. If you're not compensating for this, you're not going to get honest answers. Robert Kahali uh, says President Trump is likely to be reelected with help of a hidden support. 13 days until Election Day, one final debate. While Joe Biden and his team wait in the basement, Trump continues to make gains in Florida and Pennsylvania. He's closing in. And get this. His ultimate success might just be a secret. And here's the secret. Uh, And first off, thanks so much for joining us. The secret is the secret voter. We hear about the silent majority. We hear about the silent majority. Okay. It actually is out there. They did a poll, and the Granite State poll, uh, when asked this question, how many Trump supporters feel a need to hide their support? 68%. Say yes, they do, and they would not put a sign in their yard. 64% agree they wouldn't put a Trump sticker on their car. Now, compare that to Joe Biden. 
Only 38% agreed they wouldn't put a sign in their yard, and only 31% would not put a sticker on their car. They fear some type of retribution when they're not around, not saying they fear conflict, but they don't want to hear it. They don't want their kids reprimanded because of it. They don't want to be judged and have it hurt their career or neighborhood relationships because of it. And that is why when I look at some of these polls and I see all these negative articles on the president, I mean, I just told Allison walking in here, I saw this alert and I look at it, it's USA Today. I'm like, what could USA Today be doing that's an emergency? If you don't stay in a hotel, you don't care about it. So, and we, no one stays in hotels anymore because we're not allowed to travel or we travel and then we have to sequester for 14 days. And it says the 19 women that accused the president of sexual assault and the thing they have in common. Excuse me. Number one, it's not 19. Number two is how many times in 96, you may remember, when Bill Clinton was running for re-election against Bob Dole, did you hear anything about problems he had with women in the Oval Office, let alone women that President Trump may have uh, had a problem with and didn't know until he became president 20 years ago? You never heard it. So that's just one of the things. You look at the Washington Post, New York Times, seven of the 15 stories are flat out negative for Trump. Why he should maybe even just pull out on Election Day. Why even bother? But he did something really smart yesterday. Instead of saying Joe Biden wants to get rid of fracking, Joe Biden uh, is a socialist. He's beginning to unroll the video that reveals exactly what he said in the past and why you have to think twice before believing him now. For example, in Pennsylvania, you want to get rid of fracking, you lost Pennsylvania. He wanted to get rid of fracking for a while, but not anymore. Why? Because he wants to win Pennsylvania. So he rolled this into his live event yesterday. Would there be any place for fossil fuels, including coal and fracking, in a Biden administration? No, we would, we, would, we would work it out. We would make sure it's eliminated and no more subsidies for either one of those. I guarantee you. We're going to end fossil fuel. No more, no new fracking. I'd gradually move away from fracking. And I think it's critically important on day one that we end any fossil fuel leases on public lands. Oh, well, like, what about, say, stopping fracking and stopping yeah. the pipeline infrastructure? Yeah, yeah. and, 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 and they, they want to do the same thing I want to do. They want to phase out fossil fuels, and we're going to phase out fossil fuels. There's no question I'm in favor of banning fracking. Okay. That's his running mate that he chose. And she says Joe Biden has made it clear he's not going to get rid of fracking. No, he hasn't. In 2019, he was getting rid of fracking. He was stopping any new drilling, new exploration. By the way, you need a lot of money to actually explore the chance to do this, uh, this horizontal drilling. So it's natural gas that burns clean, so it should not even be a problem. And he stumbled into it. So what are you supposed to believe? Were you supposed to believe the guy that says, I base my energy plan off the new Green Deal and then denies he does it? And I think President Trump is so smart to put that in there. Because it says, I'll move myself out of it. I'm just going by what I hear. And think twice before you listen to, uh, listen at the debate. And uh, uh, you're at the debate and you hear Joe Biden say, I don't want to ban fracking. Just remember what you saw in Erie, Pennsylvania, an area in which he needs. So there's something going on. And Robert Kahali with the Trafalgar, Trafalgar Group pollster and sees it. Uh, this gap is closing in almost all the battleground states. And Investor Business Daily, who was one of the few polls, if the only, not the only poll, to predict President Trump would win, did a poll two weeks ago, and they said, what do you think the chances are? Who's your pick for President of the United States? And it was 51 to 42, roughly, with some percentage points in between. Um, it was Biden. Okay, it looks pretty bad. You go over 50%, it's curtains. Two weeks later, it is now a two-point game. 
2.5 game. And guess what Hillary Clinton won the popular vote by last time and lost the election uh, significantly? About the same. Anyone who thinks President Trump is done, good luck with that. And if Joe Biden thinks the best he could do is stay in the basement, just understand there's one guy working and it's not him. You could say you're being responsible. That is your choice. Cut to. But the Biden-Harris agenda is projected to slash the typical American's income by $6,500. This is in the Wall Street Journal today. A nightmare for Pennsylvania families, $6,500. And that's just cut it down, what you could be making if you do this and what we're doing. Because for the last 47 years, Joe Biden has been outsourcing your jobs, offshoring your factories, and selling out the American worker. And keep in mind, Joe Biden's not going to say, I've been selling out the American worker, but by pushing for free trade, which many Republicans push for, that the president has never pushed for. He wants to redo trade deals and tilt them our direction, not because we're the economic superpower, we're giving everyone everything. He wanted to reconfigure that. Nobody denies that. And even though Joe Biden didn't say, I'm anti-American, now he says, I want to build things here. Why now? You haven't wanted to build things here because you said the American people don't want to build things here. It's cheaper to do it over there. The Economist and New York Post, as well as The Wall Street Journal, say that uh, 80 percent of America, Americans will see a 6,500 annual tax hike. Wealthy individuals see a 58 percent increase in annual taxation. Now, does that bother you, especially if you're listening to me right now and you're working, you're doing your best you can to be and maybe having some success in your life? Is it worth you giving away six of every $10 you make, not to rapper 50 Cent? He is on the cover of the New York Post. For two straight days, been saying this. Actually answered Shannon Bream in a tweet. I don't want to be 20 Cent. Under the Biden tax plan, he's giving away too much. He's voting for Trump. Because rich people, and he's lost it all a couple of times and went to prison. I'm not saying I want to emulate him, but the guy hustles. He writes. He acts. And he's made mistakes and come back. But he has the opportunity to do it in this country. I look at him. I think about uh, other African-Americans out there that are giving the president a fresh shot. And I wonder, we have to speak to Daryl Scott a couple of weeks ago, the pastor who's been with the president for, for about 15 years. Does everyone understand that the president is trying to do things to make better for African-Americans without pandering? Charlemagne, Charlemagne the God, who I've learned to understand, extremely talented if you listen to his interviews, extremely powerful if you're paying attention, said this yesterday to Don Lemon, who probably wishes he could have muted his microphone, cut 30. When it comes to those black people you say you see who may be, you know, showing support for Trump, I just think, you know, it's because Trump is actually talking to young black male voters. He's directing ads towards them. They are a group that, you know, never get courted. I mean, Black people don't get caught it either as a whole, but that old democratic regime it speaks to old black men, and they think everyone else in the black community, the black family, is just supposed to fall in line. They know black women are, are going to show up regardless, and, you know, they, like I said, they speak to older black men, and they think the rest of us all speak the same language. Tell me if you're Don Lemon, you're not saying to yourself, who booked this guy? Uh, and he's on a little bit later. I'll play Ice Cube for you, actor, rapper. And he has a different opinion, too. Uh, And I think that these are people that don't necessarily work in a vacuum. They have followings and people listening when they speak. Dr. Mark Siegel's next. We got to find out the latest on the virus, the second wave, and what what we're doing about going back to school. Call Rove after that. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show, 1-866-408-7669. 
politics, current events, and news that affects you. Brian's got a lot more to say. Stay with Brian Kilmeade. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in free-fall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. But let's stop looking at case rates. Let's look at death rates. Ireland has minuscule death rates and has had a very stable, very low death rate for months. Same is true for Scotland. In England, it's mostly confined to London. We need to start looking at what Farr always taught us from 1840. Look at death rates. The virus is attenuating. People need to have hope. And it's justifiable scientifically. And we know cases are up 36 percent, I think, over the two-week period. Uh, however, hospitalizations and deaths is, is around 1 plus 1 percent. So that's much different. Dr. Mark Siegel knows all this. Fox News' is medical contributor and author of the new book, COVID, The Politics of Fear and the Power of Science. What is the state of the game, uh, Dr. Siegel? And welcome back right now with the coronavirus. And you just said it, Brian, and it is the politics of fear, because the people that want to fearmonger, as I write in my book on this issue, are all about the new case rate going up 36 percent. But they're leaving out that the death rate is flat and that the hospitalization rate, which is what we look at in public health, is flat, meaning our hospitals are not being overwhelmed, meaning that unless government, unless mayors and governors in Democrat states start to lock down things, you're going to be able to have the kind of health care that we need in hospitals. We need, we need our cancer screenings. We need our heart disease taken care of. You know, COVID can be taken care of at the same time. But the fear-mongering, the saber-rattling is always about the new cases and never pays attention to the fact that 
everything we've learned about COVID has enabled us to take care of it much better. We're identifying it earlier. We're testing for it. We're, we're treating it better. We have treatments and protocols lined up that we didn't have months ago. We're, we just saw with the president that polyclonal antibodies, Regeneron in his case, seem to be working dramatically, and we're pushing towards emergency youth authorizations of that. That's called passive immunity. So a lot more treatments are out there, and we know how to handle COVID-19. We know that it's prone to blood clots. We're on the lookout for that as well. Well, you want to talk about politics. Governor Newsom and Governor Cuomo both say, I'm not going to take a vaccine unless I put it through with my science team in my state. That means that they know more than the CDC and FDA because they don't like the president. Could you assure people that we don't need a state to screen our vaccines? Of course not. That's really, really awful politics. And again, I, I cover vaccines in my book, but the public is seeing this play out in real time. What's happening with a vaccine? You have data safety monitoring boards in each, each case. You just heard Pfizer say, Brian, that they're going to reveal the data of events, meaning how effective is the virus on a case-by-case basis of preventing infection. And then they're going to roll out the safety data that they've been accumulating very carefully. And by November or so, we're going to know if the Pfizer vaccine is safe and if it works. That's so important. There's nothing to do with politics. I've seen the scientists on these review boards, and I've interviewed several of them. They're straight down the middle scientists. So for, you know, for Kamala Harris or for other politicians like, like Governor Cuomo to be saying that, that he has to step in and make sure that it's not being politicized, that it's a safe vaccine, is undermining vaccine compliance, right. which is what we're going to need. So here's, uh, here's some of the stats. Over the two-week period, there's 59,000 cases a day on average, two over this two-week period. But uh, they say uh, deaths are up 36%. They're up, uh, they were up. When you got hospitalized, there was a 36% chance of you dying. Now it's down to 7%. And uh, I think that's pretty significant. That's huge. And, of course, we just covered the fact that that's being buried under the statistic of the case numbers meant to scare you. Alfred Hitchcock, here we go, horror movie, case numbers. But what's much more significant is what you just said. That study just came out. It looked at over 5,000 people. It determined that over the course of the pandemic, the death rate has decreased across all ages now. Not just – this is not just because of young people getting it more – because, Brian, young people are getting it more, and they're getting much milder cases. But they looked at the elderly, too, in this study, and they found out that elderly people were way less likely to die from COVID-19 after they're in the hospital than, than before. That's a huge, huge advance in terms of therapeutics. All right, so let's talk about uh, what the facts are, too. You say the five factors that make it more likely you'll suffer long-term from coronavirus. Age, weight, and gender are among the factors. A new study has identified the main factors more likely that patients will suffer these uh, these. Uh, illnesses. They say the long term, uh, the, the term given to people who recover from coronavirus but continue to suffer from wide range of symptoms is something else people are looking at. Sometimes your lungs linger, correct? You, some of your so that's where the attention should be paid. You know, could you have a mild case and still have lung <clears throat> issues, coughs that persist? Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton Withrow. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. 
His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you'll subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. Or problems with your lungs later on. That's where we're doing doing the real research now. Overall, we're seeing much milder cases, but we want to know what the long-term after effects of the virus are. That's something we're currently studying. They like to say that 30% of cases are long haulers. That, that number is another media scare term. There's no such thing as that. What matters is, on a case-by-case basis, did you completely recover, or do you have lingering effects? We're still looking at that. You are still looking at that. And now with college kids, they get it, but they get over it, for the most part, to a staggering number, 99.6% or higher. Yeah, but what's really damaging is when the fear that that causes causes universities to close and people are learning online only and professors and teachers are telling me how stressful that is and there's no socialization. And for younger kids, there was just a study out of New York that showed that literally one in a thousand kids is testing positive the first week that they started testing them. So, so gotcha. yes, they have these hybrid models and these online models and you're not getting right. the mental health care you need, you're not getting the nutrition you need, you're not getting the dental and eye care that you need. All of this stuff is not counted. But it is counted in your book, COVID, The Politics of Fear and the Power of Science. Dr. Siegel, thank you. Call Rove next. With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. I've said for a while, I think I see the president winning with a minimum of high 270s and possibly going up significantly higher based on just how big this undercurrent is. What we've noticed is that these polls are predominantly missing the, you know, the hidden Trump vote. There is a clear feeling among conservatives and people that are for the president that that they're not interested in sharing their opinions uh, so readily on the telephone. We've seen people be uh, beat up, harassed, doxxed. These people are, are, are a lot less hesitant, I mean, are more hesitant to not participate in polls. So if you're not compensating for this, if you're, if you're not trying to give them a poll that they can participate in with a lower threshold that would make them feel more comfortable that it's anonymous, you're not going to get honest answers. Well, that is uh, Robert Kahali. He is with the Trafalgar Group, which tends to lean right. I get it. But he is very optimistic about the president. I'm looking at the Investor Business Daily poll, which two weeks ago looked pretty brutal. They said, well, that's the poll. And everyone trumpeted. They said, that's the poll that the president, uh, that picked the president last time, the only one who picked President Trump to win. And it was 51-42. Well, wake up today. It's 48.1 to 45.8. That's about the distance in the popular vote between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. If you read the Washington Post, if you read the New York Times, I get it. You think the president lost already and is is going around the country conceding the race. It's just not the case. Carl Rovis here, former deputy chief of staff for President Bush, the the author of The Triumph of William McKinley. Uh, The president really loves that book and a Fox News contributor. Carl, welcome back. Great to be back. So what do you think about those two things? I mean, I'm just astounded. I, I get the paper at three in the morning. I download everything now. And I can't believe like 80 percent of the stories are negative with different angles on why the president's terrible and why he's going to lose big and why this isn't like last time. You're used to headwinds as a Republican. But this to me is a new level. Yeah, it is. I mean, um, 
you know, we've, we've always, we've, we, in the modern era, we've always had the press being somewhat antagonistic towards, uh, you know, Republican candidates for president. Uh, even uh, the genial Ronald Reagan had his detractors in the media. But this is, in this election, has been taken to a new level. I mean, it, when you have the uh, staff of the New York Times in open revolt demanding a company-wide meeting with the boss in order to express their anger over what was what was a neutral headline in the New York Times. They said it shouldn't have been neutral about Donald Trump. You know that we're in a weird place. The New York Times says they're endorsing Joe Biden and they're nonpartisan. Are they kidding? Yeah. No. Look, uh, the, the, the bias, uh, it, it, the media bias is so insidious because the, the you know, it's not – they don't acknowledge it. They don't believe they're being biased. They're being, they think they're only being fair, and they think they're only advancing the true values of American society as they understand them, which is uh, completely at odds with what anybody on the center-right tends to say and do, and particularly this president. So they're, they're blind to the bias. They don't think they're biased. They think they're, they think they're merely calling you know, balls and strikes when in reality they're, they're – their, their vision is very, very cloudy. Well, no, I actually do think, uh, see, Carl, this is where I differ, and this might be one of the few times you're wrong. I do think they know they're biased, and I think that they're pretending. They think they can sell it uh, to us, but it's so egregious now. Here's an example. Here's the four headlines, back to back to back. Trump record a record show, new light on Chinese business pursuits. He has $183,000 in a corporate account in China. Okay, look into that. A Joe Biden landslide, question mark. Some Democrats can't help but whisper. Here it is. Trump campaign, 63 million dwarfed by uh, Biden's 177 million. So I'm not saying those numbers aren't correct, but there are angles to these stories. With the fact that Tom Etzel wrote a column that says there's a reason why Trump could win and why this is like 2016, that made news last week. So having said all that, what should Trump's lead message be in these final 13 days? Well, I think he's got to have a message. If you have to pick one message, it has to be. Who do you trust more to restart the American economy as we begin to put the coronavirus in the rearview mirror? Who do you trust to restore the prosperity of America, me or him? And here's why I'm better. I'm better because I'm the guy that cut taxes. He wants to raise them. I'm the person who cut regulation. He wants to impose more. I'm the person who wanted to keep you, the American citizen, in charge of your health care and your job and your employment and your small business. And he wants the government to be in charge of all of those. You know, he he's the guy who is responsible for the slow growth of the Obama-Biden years. I'm the guy who's responsible for the enormous prosperity that this country felt almost from the moment that I, that I took office in January of 2017 up to the moment that, that the, the Wuhan virus uh, uh, hit the American shores. And I mean, that's got to be the, the main issue, in my opinion. Now, he's got to find different ways to, to, to showcase that. And he's got some other things that he needs to talk about uh, on the on the campaign trail, he did yesterday. He was in Pennsylvania and wisely hit the issue of fracking, and had to, and literally displayed up on a giant screen to the audience, the Joe Biden on camera saying, "I'm going to I'm going to get rid of fracking. I'm, we're going to eliminate fossil fuels. I'm, of course, I'm going to get. I'm willing to sacrifice those high paying jobs. Of course, yes, I am." So that that was a great way to make the case. So there are going to be other things like that, like maybe coronavirus would be, you know, to showcase what he did versus what. Joe Biden proposed to do, you know, the, but the main thrust has got to be on the economy, which is his winning issue. I would roll it in. And I th- I love that idea of rolling in this tape of what they said 
about fracking and what Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have said about fracking. So instead of the president saying they're going to ban fracking, let me just show you what they said. And now you think about what to what you can believe. So the other one would be that I would mirror your column in The Wall Street Journal. When you went ahead and got the names and dates and times of when Nancy Pelosi walked through San Francisco uh, in little China, said, go to Chinatown. When Mayor de Blasio said, we have to celebrate Chinese New Year because they have a virus and they can't. When Governor Cuomo said our health care system was, is much better than China's, we're not going to have a problem here. And when you had all the, the Ezekiel Manuel, the founder of Obamacare, oh, the main yeah. creator, yeah. he look, came look, out and said look, it's going to be no look. problem here. Yeah, this is, this is one of the great frauds of all time. Here's the Biden saying, I, I, you know, Trump has bungled this, and I would have done better. Even the Washington Post called him out and said, he said, I had a plan, and if we followed my plan, we would have, you know, a lot of fewer people would have been struck by this illness, and many more would, would, would have be alive today. And then even the Washington Post, I think it was, and their fact checker said he never offered a plan. In fact, the classic is on July, in July when he appears, when Biden appears on Joy Reid, her first day on television, MSNBC evening program, she throws him a softball. If you were president, elected president, what would you do in January? And he said, I've got six things I would do. Every one of those things Trump had already done. Can you imagine putting that up on the screen and putting, saying, you know, he says, I'll, uh, I'll appoint somebody. You no, know, this is in July. I'll appoint somebody to be in charge of distribution production and distribution of the vaccine. Well, the president, like five weeks before, had appointed the head of Army Logistics to exactly do that. So you put Biden up there on the screen saying that, and then cut to Trump making the announcement that he's appointed a logistics chief. And and you could mock the guy, and it'd be a great visual way to drive home the point that Biden and his people, look, they were accusing the president of hyping it. Ron Klain goes out and says, we don't face the the prospect of, of a health pandemic we face a fear pandemic, uh, condemning the president for hyping it. You know, we had we had Klain out there saying, is, when Nancy Pelosi said to go to Chinatown, he echoed it. We had Zeke Emanuel say, don't go out and buy a mask. It's not going to do any good. We had Erwin Rhinelander, another key advisor to Biden on this, say the yeah, chances of a global pandemic is highly unlikely. And, 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 and a virulent form of what he called the Wuhan flu, I mean the Wuhan virus, uh, is negligible. So, you know, these were the people that were around Biden. So what do we think he would have been doing? He'd be saying, going out to Chinatown, like Nancy said, I'm going to Chinatown just to show that we because we don't want to be xenophobic and racist by blaming it on the Chinese. His guy called it a Wuhan virus. Maybe that's why Rhinelander, Klein and these other clowns are sort of non-persons today in the Trump, in the Biden campaign because they realize their pro- comments are problematic and they don't want them to be seen and heard from. So. Uh, all those good points. And if you're doing videos, man, do that video. And it just tells yeah. the story. And they have enough money yeah. to run enough ads. They talked to Ronald McDaniel the other day. They have plenty of money. Yeah. Does Joe Biden have more? Absolutely. It should not stop you. Meanwhile, I just want to throw yeah. a stat at you. And the coronavirus is new to us. You, you and I aren't scientists. But all I can tell you is nobody's got this thing out of control that's not in an island. You have a sealed-off border with Korea surrounded by water. New Zealand, the same thing. Australia still wrestled with it. Seven countries report over 100,000 new coronaviruses. Argentina, Brazil, Britain, France, India, Russia, and, of course, the U.S. So this is not being controlled any, in any industrial country, I don't believe China's numbers. Sooner or later, you're going, if Joe Biden's elected, those numbers drop from CNN's screen and we'll realize we have to learn live with this, 
not hide from it. That might be the unscientific lesson from this, which is kind of what Donald Trump is saying in his own special way. Yeah, look, you're right. I mean, we, we, what, remember what, this, what we were talking about this spring? Flatten the curve. Flatten the curve. We were doing all these things not to stop it and make it go away. What it was was we were going to flatten the curve in order to keep the, protect the vulnerable, uh, particularly the, the uh, older Americans, and, and make certain that we had plenty of hospital capacity to handle those that were sick. There was a realization at the beginning – of this thing, and as it came on, that the best we could do is do exactly that. And now the Democrats are saying, you know what? That the fact that anybody died is blood on their hands, on um, Trump's hands. And I mean, it is just so over the top and so unrealistic. I mean, you know, if if Biden were to be elected, January twenty first, the vaccine, the virus would continue to to roam the world. And the only way to stop it is to get an effective vaccine and then get people vaccinated, which has not helped. By Joe Biden saying, well, you know, I'm not certain I take the vaccine. Uh, You know, come on, man. It's uh, Trump in charge. I mean, I don't know what I mean. Words matter. We keep being told that. Well, the presidential candidates words do matter. And Biden's words are not helpful. So I want to go to the black vote. And for the longest time, it's an embarrassment to the Republican that the Republican Party is shooting for 15 or 20 percent even. And they're not going to get they don't usually get that. Because they're not a racist party, and they were the one, the party of Frederick Douglass and Abraham Lincoln. But Charlemagne the God is an impactful African-American morning show host, as you know. He's the one who had got yelled at by Joe Biden. If you don't vote for me, you ain't black. Listen to what he said yesterday to Don Lemon, who probably fell off his chair in the break. Cut 30. When it comes to those black people you say you see who may be, you know, showing support for Trump, I just think, you know, it's because Trump is actually talking to young black male voters. He's directing ads towards them. They are a group that, you know, never get courted. I mean, black people don't get courted either as a whole, but that old democratic regime speaks to old black men, and they think everyone else in the black community, the black family, is just supposed to fall in line. They know black women are, are going to show up regardless, and, you know, they, like I said, they speak to older black men, and they think the rest of us all speak the same language. So... He's hearing that the Trump team and the Trump campaign cares about the African-American youth vote. I, I think that's right. In fact, in the surveys, if you go back to the spring and then look at, at what's happening today, you'll see that in the spring, there were a lot of young African-American men who were open to or actually supporting Trump. That's why Trump was doing better than the, you know, the Republicans normally get less than 10 percent, and he was tending towards the mid-teens, and that was because the numbers among young African-American men were higher than that. And why? Because I think they said, I'm feeling prosperity in my life. I'm, I, this guy, you know, this guy's different. Uh, this, guy's, this guy doesn't look down on me, and he cares about me, and I can feel it because I'm getting a paycheck that's good. I got opportunity that's growing. I'm able to feel better about providing for my family, and I got to give the guy credit. So, uh, you know, it. The, 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 the black vote in America has been taken for granted by the Democratic Party. And today it's only the sort of, you know, the, the, they pay attention to the more uh, left wing uh, elements inside the community, not the people who go to church and have a small business and uh, work a good job, want the best for their family, want to advance in life and have more conventional values. And, you know, they're they're, they're that's a group that, that Trump can, can uh, appeal to and win. 
particularly because they want disruption. They don't want things as they are. They've grown up in these communities. They've seen what the Democrats have done for them. They know that they're taken for granted. They know that the community can do better. And they want, they want somebody who's going to come in and, and sort of shake things up. And if there's a guy who can shake things up, it's, this, it's the current president of the United States. Anybody that knows him knows he's not a racist, never has been. And when you're not, you don't feel defensive to scream it because it's so unwarranted. I'm very curious to see what's going to happen there. And I think that the African-American community should do what the Hispanics have done, what women have done, and that's make people earn their vote at the very least. Carl Rove, fascinating to talk to you as usual. Thank you, pal. All the best. All right. Uh, Carl Rove, 1-866-408-7669. Giving you everything you need to know. It's Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Christian, the lead-ins are a little misleading. How so? Um, well, the platinum plan is not my plan. I came up with the contract with Black America, um, and I didn't run to go work with any campaign. Both campaigns contacted me. Both campaigns wanted to talk to me about the contract with Black America. One campaign said, we love what you have, but let's really dig into it after the election. And one campaign said, we love what you have. Uh, Do you mind talking to us about it? And that's what I did. Uh, What is wrong with Ice Cube saying that? And he got such backlash for saying that because he doesn't hate President Trump. He wants to make things better for his community. He doesn't want big checks. He wants big programs and opportunity. It's amazing. And he gets blowback. So he said for you to, he told Don Lemon, and he'd use uh, pretty harsh terms, if you have any such and such, you'll have me on your show. I don't know how Chris Cuomo ended up with him on his show. He went on a little bit more. Cut 32. Well, I'm willing to work with both teams, but I'm just working with whoever is willing to work with me. The Trump campaign came to me and asked me to explain to them some of the... uh, contract with Black America, that's what I did. I'm not playing no more of these games, these political games. We're not part of a team. We have very broad problems, especially the wealth gap in this country when it comes to Black Americans. So I'm going to whoever's in power, and I'm going to speak to them about our problems specifically. I'm not going there talking about minorities. I'm not going there talking about people of color or diversity or none of that stuff. I'm going there for black Americans, the ones who are the descendants of slaves. And that's what I'm going to talk to anybody who's in power with that. So if anybody got a problem with that, it seems like a personal problem. So true. Elaine listening in Hudson, Florida. Hey, Elaine. Good morning. You think the media is not doing their job in what respect? I agree with you, but I want to hear what you have to say. If they're not telling the truth, then you're working with things that aren't real. And if you're not dealing with reality, you can't function. And, and um, it's a betrayal. They actually have a place given them by the Constitution. And so when they fall down and don't do their job, which is to speak the truth about whatever
whatever is happening, then there that is an absolute um, it's uh, it's a betrayal. And right. I know that Trump said that the enemy is the people. Well, if you have a desperate need and someone well, I got to it, Elaine, I hear you. But you know what's worse than not telling the story is uh, telling the wrong story to fit a narrative that you believe. And I'm talking directly about that Hunter email and that laptop. Every human being knows Russia has nothing to do with that. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach, it's Brian Kilmeade. All right, here, here we go, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade Show coming to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. Coming up shortly, Joe Collins. Who's Joe Collins? He is um, the Army veteran who decided he wants to represent the 43rd Congressional District in South Central L.A., what Maxine Waters has represented terribly. And he put together a great ad that shows the mansion she lives in as proposed, as opposed to the area in which she represents. She's done nothing to deliver from Los Angeles. And Joe Collins is, is trying to make a difference. He'll be joining us live. I hope he's successful. And Rick Scott, uh, the senator from the senator and former governor of Florida. Look at the turnout right now in Florida. It's second in the country in terms of turnout. And they've already only been open three days. Lines evidently extremely long. We'll talk about all that. Just a quick reminder, if you don't listen to the show live when you get it, if sometimes you get too busy, you can only listen to 15 minutes at a time, go uh, get the podcast at com. You get it on iTunes, on Spotify, on iHeart, and just about everything else. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. The negotiations have entered a new phase, which is more on the technical side of trying to get the language right if we can agree upon the numbers. We're still apart, still a number of issues to work on, but the last 24 hours have moved the uh, the ball down the field. And I'm not really sure how far that'll go. COVID-19, that of course, Mark Meadows. What does it mean for a rescue package as almost every democracy in the West has experienced a fall surge? And what are the chances of a new stimulus deal that you just heard? Now Mitch McConnell is telling the president don't do it. Nancy Pelosi is not out for your best interest. But what is the best way to go right now for November? Number two. What I would love to hear is an on the merits, based on the facts, denial of the fact that these are Hunter Biden's emails. I have yet to hear that. Mike Lee doing the hard work. Hunter emails. Another international business deal linked to yet another nation. Now in those emails on that laptop, this latest nation, Kazakhstan. They join China, Ukraine, and Romania. How is the rest of the media getting away with ignoring and misportraying this story? Why is big tech aiding the illusion? I'll try to explain. Number one. What we've noticed is that these polls are predominantly missing the, you know, the hidden Trump vote. These people are, are, are a lot more hesitant to not participate in polls. If you're not compensating for this, you're not going to get honest answers. And that's just it. Uh, we are talking about the hidden Trump poll. 13 days until Election Day, one day until the debates, the final debate. Uh, President Trump is working extremely hard in Florida, Pennsylvania, now today, North Carolina. Joe Biden sits in his basement, and a new polls show the president's hard work might just be paying off. The one poll the president, uh, the, I, the international business, the investors business daily had a poll, the IBD. 
And they had a poll, and right before the election in 2016, they said, who do you think is going to win? They said they think it's going to be Trump. And they looked at the poll, and that's what they predicted. So everyone made a huge deal last month, two weeks ago, when a poll came out on the 13th of October that said the president's trailing 51-42 in his favorite poll. Well, we took a look at his favorite poll, that they assume it is, and it is now 48.1 to 45.8. Can you say gap closing rapidly? Also, the University of Northern Florida did a Florida poll. Joe Biden's winning by one point, which means a flat-footed tie. Big turnout early. Right now, Texas has more turnout, almost 5 million, California 3.9 million, then Florida with just three days in the books at 3 million starting today, 3.1 million. That is incredible. And Joe Biden's been off the trail five of the last six days. Can you imagine if somebody, your coach told you, our team is better off if you don't show? That's exactly what the Biden team is saying. We have more money. We got ads. We're better off without you. Study for the debate. And I actually am really looking forward to this debate more than any other. I like the fact that they're muting the microphones because it's going to give both sides, relax both sides. Listen, jot down what he's saying, and then come back at it and do the Pence move of answering what you think is wrong about what Mike Joe Biden just said. And then before you answer the question posed by the moderator, finish off that point. And the moderator better not interrupt. Now, On Joe Biden's emails, excuse me, Hunter Biden's emails found on his laptop, the story is panning out. Why? Because the FBI says they have the laptop. They confirmed the date in which they did it. They have paperwork that shows it was done. They They have an invoice or whatever you call it, a receipt, shows that Hunter Biden dropped it off. He did not recall back to the to the Delaware repair shop owner. So what does that mean? So far, the story is adding up. Call Mike Lee, call Ron Johnson. They go, yeah, we got records that he did reach out to us. He didn't call the press. And then eventually he called Rudy Giuliani. Look, he says he's a Republican. He said, I'm watching, the, I'm watching this impeachment hearing last December. And I said, wait a second. I'm looking on this stuff, on this laptop that this, sadly, crack addict left in my place. And I know exactly what's going on. Actually, the president has a reason to worry about what Hunter Biden was doing in the Ukraine, a reason to see if he was trading on the Biden name. Now, I don't think this is the lead issue in the last two weeks. I think it's part of the calculus. You know, I know this is drawing blood because they came out with a story today that Donald Trump has a $185,000 account in China. Really? He has $185,000 in an account in China? Maybe because he's buying a lot of material to build his towers and his golf courses in China, which, by the way, is allowed. But if you have a son trading on your name and you are the president of the United States or vice president, that might, to me, seem a little bit different. But what I find astounding is one thing to me is clear. Russia not involved. The Department of Justice, the FBI— say Russia is not involved. The director of national intelligence, Russia is not involved. But according to Senator Chris Murphy, who wants to be secretary of state, should Joe Biden win? Cut 16. The Russians this time around have decided to cultivate U.S. citizens as assets. They are attempting to try to spread their propaganda in the mainstream media rather than just relying on you know, bots and Facebook posts, as they largely were four years ago. Uh, and they've been successful. Uh, you know, Rudy Giuliani is effectively a Russian asset at this point. Really? The mayor of the United States, the mayor, the U.S., the America's mayor is, is a Russian asset. 
That's a new one. And by the way, he didn't find these emails. They were handed to him. The FBI knew about it before Rudy knew about it. This is not Russia involved. These are legitimate emails. Read them. See if Joe Biden is profiting from that. And let me ask you if it affects your vote. That's all we're saying. Don't make it up. Liberal reporter, not a fan of this network, Glenn Greenwald, who's on with Bill Hammer, is watching all this and saying, you got to be kidding me. Cut 22. There's no question that most journalists vehemently believe that it is crucial to the country for President Trump to be defeated, which is their right to believe. But worse, they've decided that journalism is an instrument not for reporting and informing the public, but for making that happen. Yes, Pierce Morgan, who has been a critic this year of Donald Trump and remains a friend of Donald Trump. He has a book out on this. He can't understand how people can accept the fact that Facebook, Twitter, social media is just stopping this story from coming out and that people would make up stories like Andrea Mitchell and Senator Chris Murphy that the Russians are putting out emails of Joe Biden's son, who they do not deny these are authentic. Here's Pierce Morgan last night with Tucker Cut 23. The job of a newspaper, of a television network, of anybody, frankly, in the media who believes in freedom of speech and believes in journalism is to go and investigate the allegations the New York Post has made. Imagine if we switched the names around. Imagine right. if this story was about Donald Trump Jr. and Donald Trump. What would be happening? Do you think that the tech giants would be suppressing the story? Would the mainstream media be ignoring the story, saying that it's all just an unfair smear on the Trumps? All I can tell you is it's despicable. If Malia Obama, if Roger Clinton, if Jenna Bush was out trading on the Bush name saying, I'll get you a meeting with my father, who's president or former president, who has influence in Washington, if you do this deal or put me on the board— Are you okay with that? I know the answer is no. I know that for sure. So the FBI confirms they have it. They confirm the Department of National National Intelligence that it's not Russia-born. And by almost all accounts, especially by the silence of Joe Biden, these are real. And the reason why they're attacking Trump and his links to China, which are none, almost none, is because they're drawing blood. That's my view. When we come back, I talk to Joe Collins. He's a Republican, African-American. He saw himself in dire circumstances, decided to join the military. He made such a difference. He wants to continue to make a difference for the country. He wants to run for Congress. The problem is Maxine Waters is a juggernaut. Not because she's great. It's because she's rich and entrenched. Can Joe Collins beat Maxine Waters in a district he grew up in and she lives outside of? Don't move. It's Brian Kilmeade. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. I'm Joe Collins. I'm running for Congress against Maxine Waters. Do you know where I am right now? Maxine Waters' $6 million mansion. Do you know where I'm not right now? Maxine Waters' district. Maxine does not live in her district, but I do. I was born right here in South L.A. 
in a place Maxine refuses to live. We need someone to represent us who lives here. Unlike Maxine Waters, I know the pain that crime, violence, gangs, homelessness does to our children. I was one of the kids left behind by Maxine Waters. The only question you need to ask is this. In the last 44 years, where has Maxine Waters been? My name is Joe Collins. I'm a veteran. I'm a patriot. Let's retire Maxine Waters to her mansion. And after Joe Collins spent time in the Navy, after growing up in the area, he wants to give back to an area in desperate need of some leadership and people that care. He is one of them. Uh, I'm talking about the 43rd Congressional District. Joe Collins joins us now. Joe, I talked to you on TV. I also want to talk to you now here on this show. Uh, what made you say giving back 13, over 10 years of my life to the country wasn't enough? I want to give more. Well, you know, um, service to this country is all I know. You know, you join the military at 18 years old, you know, get out the military in your 30s, and it's like, what do I do now? And since service to this country is all I know, you continue to serve. And I want to serve and give back to the community that I grew up in. What was it like growing up in the area of the, of, of Los Angeles you did? It was a little rough. It was a little rough. I think at the time when I was there, it was my norm, you know, the the gangs and the gang violence and everything. And it wasn't until after our house was shot up in a drive-by when we moved out of Texas that I noticed that um, what we were living in, what we were going through, it, it wasn't it wasn't normal. And, and we absolutely deserve better. So do you get do you, people shooting at you? you? You were shot at? Well, our house was shot up in a drive-by. I had a couple of friends that that, that got shot, you know, in drive-bys and gang violence and things like that. Um, I don't think I've ever been shot at, you know, outside of the military in, in South L.A. So you're in Iraq, and that's tough. You you grow up in an area, and that's tough. What makes you think a, a congressperson can make a difference in, uh, in L.A.? Well, the— People in Congress, they write the laws, they're legislators. They have the ability to affect change positively or negatively, you know, depending on the type of leadership they, they are. And when you look at our representative right now, she's unfortunately one of the most terrible leaders, one of the worst politicians in the United States. And she absolutely has the ability to affect change, but she doesn't do it. So when I get in office, you know, I have the ability to write laws. I have the ability to affect change positively and to encourage other young people to stand up and start taking leadership roles and and start removing corrupt politicians from office. Joe Collins is going to run as a Republican. So, Joe, you went up to Maxine Waters and you said, you know, she lives in a mansion. You show the mansion in your ad. She doesn't live in your district, which is allowed, but it's it's. Uh, dicey. I think people should know about that. So, Joe, you tried to work with her, and you got nowhere, right? Yeah, when I got out the military, I needed help getting my VA benefits. Los Angeles has one of the worst VA uh, systems in the United States, and, you know, I filled out internships, job applications. Um, I even brought her flowers, and, and I didn't get anything back from her. I had to, you know, try to... I filed a lawsuit against the Navy in order to get my benefits, and this is, you know, our veterans deserve better, you know, and she actually ran you know, like a million dollars worth of advertisement telling people lying to her that I was going to be discharged. So we filed a lawsuit against her as well. And this is the type of leadership that we have to go go through in, in, in South L.A. And it's not fair. Listen to Maxine Waters. I think as low as she has been, this is her lowest point. And if you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd. 
and you push back on them and you tell them they're not welcome anymore, anywhere. Do you, do you believe that philosophy? Go ahead. Force them out of a restaurant. Go protest in front of their house. Go harass them at an airport. And guess what, Joe Collins? Maxine Waters was convincing. They did. Yeah, they did. And she's even sent armed thugs to my events when we when we're having our food giveaways, our backpack drive to try to intimidate us. It doesn't work, but the fact of the matter is a lot of people believe in that stuff that she's saying, and it's, and it's evil, it's hatred. And I ask people all the time, um, can you name something positive that Maxine Waters has said ever since she's been in office? And people are like, wow, I can't think of not one thing. But this is this is what we have to go through in L.A. Well, I want you to hear what uh, Charmaine uh, the God, he is a uh, extremely impactful morning show host, what he had to say uh, about this president, the Republican Party, and African-American men. Cut 30. When it comes to those black people you say, you see, who may be, you know, showing support for Trump. I just think, you know, it's because Trump is actually talking to young black male voters. He's directing ads towards them. They are a group that, you know, never get courted. I mean, black people don't get courted either as a whole, but that old Democratic regime speaks to old black men, and they think everyone else in the black community, the black family, is just supposed to fall in line. Do 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 you understand where he's coming from? Yeah, I absolutely do. And and what he's saying is right. Um, as a young black man, we want change. We want somebody to give us an opportunity, not a handout. And, and that's what he's speaking to right now. The older Democrats, they don't understand because they they taken our vote for granted. They've taken our communities for granted. And we see the destruction that, you know, the Democratic Party has caused from the, the Joe Biden's crime bill, um, even back to, to, to Jim Crow. And so, you know, what the Democrats are talking about right now are, are not what we need. They have never affected positive change in our lives, not even to, to make up for, you know, slavery days. And now we have a president who's invigorating. He's speaking our language. I hate to tell you, Joe, I don't want to go back too far in time, but uh, Lincoln was a Republican. Frederick Douglass, Booker T. Washington were Republicans. This all reversed in the 60s. And it's the KKK was full of Democrats. I'm not saying Democrats are KKK members, but they were. That's the history mm-hmm. that they should be running from. And Republicans have done a terrible job until recently of making that known. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And even even speaking of which, people talk about, oh, well, there was a switch. There was a switch. And I was like, I, I can't see any switch because from, from my perception, the, the name of the game never changed. The only thing that's changed is the way the game is played because they went from, you know, slavery and lynching to creating laws that does the exact same thing. Listen, Joe, you got to start speaking, speaking out and, uh, and against this uh, Maxine Waters machine because the country would be a lot better off with you in there. I don't care what party you're in uh, because you're in there for the right reasons. 13-year Navy veteran who fought in the Iraq War still wants to give back to the area in which he grew up because he knows how uh, tough it is. And, Joe, uh, I look forward to talking to you again. Best of luck as you close in on the polls. All right. Thanks, Brian. I appreciate it. You got it, man. We come back, Senator Rick Scott. Tells us about Florida, the money pouring in from Mike Bloomberg, and how it's affecting the polls in that must-win state for President Trump. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News.
Information you want. Truth you demand. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Going forward, whatever the future may hold, uh, school closures should be off the table. Uh, They don't do anything to mitigate COVID, but they do cause catastrophic damage to the physical, mental, and social well-being of our youth. Uh, Let's not repeat any mistakes of the past. So about seven nations have over 100,000 cases, so they're not done. For people to say, well, if we were only more disciplined when it came to bending the curve in the spring, we wouldn't have had a problem. Now we're in the fall. Really? Tell that to Germany, the United Kingdom. Tell that to Spain, Italy. Uh, Go ahead. Tell that to Brazil, Argentina. And can you say Russia? Even they cannot hide that the coronavirus is coming back this fall. But it doesn't mean we don't go to school. It doesn't mean we don't play sports. And in many cases, it doesn't mean we don't go to work, I hope. One of the most industrious person, people in Congress, Senator Rick Scott, joins us from Florida. Senator, do you echo the governor's uh, feeling? We need to get back to everything. We got to do it. Figure got to figure out how we can do this safely. Uh, but we've got it. We've got to get back to work. We've got to get back to you know our, our kids back in school. Uh, but you know we need to have more testing. We need to have more information. You know what I don't get about this is why don't I, I'm look. We have a lot more testing out there, but it, it still seems like we ought to have more. Number the, that's number one. Number two is why don't we have more information so we all can make better informed decisions? Like where's where are we seeing transmission of this? What businesses? What locations are we seeing transmission? What area? Well, I, I had a Zika healthcare crisis when I was governor. It informed it, it, it uh, hurt new babies. I told people this is where we're seeing trans. These are the blocks. These are blocks where we're seeing transmission, and so people could make an informed decision. I just don't get why. At every level, state, local, and federal, why we don't get more information out there about, like, if you have this type of illness, you know, we we have a greater chance. Or if you, you know, there's just the information that we're getting is just it's just sporadic and it's not consistent. And I get that we don't know everything, but say we don't know everything, but this is what we do know. Well, I mean, so, I've never heard Anthony Fauci, who seems like a wonderful guy at 77, except for reacting. Most of his policy comes out of interviews. I mean, if you give him the yeah. microphone, I get nothing out of it. I'm sure he's smarter than I ever ima- could ever imagine. He knows more than I could ever think of. But besides wash your hands and wear a mask and keep your distance, can you please tell me something new we've learned in six months? Yeah, we have to learn something. And, so step one, the, to me, look, I'm, I'm very hopeful on the vaccine. I, I, I Look, I, I believe that Steve Hahn, who runs FDA, is going to be very clear about the effectiveness of the vaccine. I think he's going to, that's what they're going to do, and I think they're working hard. But I really do believe that testing, we need to have more tests out there. Um, we need, I mean, where I live in, I live in Naples, Florida. There's, that you can go to the county health department, okay? Most people don't know you can. And number two is there's one other place that costs 140 bucks to go get a rapid test. What, what how many months into this? And, and so... We don't have more rapid tests out there. That doesn't make sense to me. And But the biggest thing is just get me more information so I can make a good, informed decision, and I'll, I'll do it. That's what I did with hurricanes. I told people, the hurricane's coming. This is what we know. You're going to get nine-foot nine storm surge. It, I would get out of here. No one can save you during the storm. Tell people they'll make good decisions. I hear you. The other thing I would do is get on the phone with these businesses, especially in the city I'm in now, New York, and say, 
What are we going to need? What do you need to get yourself back in the door? Are you afraid of being sued? This is what we can do. Are you afraid you don't have enough tests? This is how to handle it. We work with health experts in the area and the city, and you start bringing these people back to their buildings. They're going to need lunch. They're going to need transportation. They need right. to park their car. They need to hop on a subway. But go ahead. If you are a political leader, pick up the phone and say, how do we safely get you back to work? Right. I've been trying to get the CDC to work with the cruise industry. I think it's like 150,000 jobs in Florida, right? Say, tell us what they, I said, tell, sit down with the cruise industry, come up with a plan of how they can get back to work safely, right? But not having, I mean, not being responsive, I don't get it. It's like a black hole. I, you know, I'm a business guy. I was always furious with government because they wouldn't give you an answer. And so when I was governor, governor of Florida, what I tried to do is say, look, we're going to tell people yes or no. We're going to make all the regulations really clear because I believe people generally want to comply. So make it so they can comply. Make it so they know if they're going to get a permit so you're not surprising people. But, but government is – I'm so – you get so frustrated that there's not an answer. Tell me no. That's an answer. But don't don't not tell me anything. So like right now, I want the I want the cruise industry to get back to work if they can do it safely. They believe they can. If they can't, the CDC needs to say this is what you can do to make it safe. Because pe- I want those jobs back. I want people to be able to go experience things again. And so, but the government's got to the government's got to get more faster. They got to get more. They got to give us more information. And it's not just the federal government. Everybody wants to complain about the federal government. It's all levels of government all across this country. Get, and it's not just this. The truth is, it's everything. If we want more jobs, if we want more a bigger economy, if we want people to make more money, our government has got to get out of the way. Give us good information. Let us make good decisions. So the University of Northern Florida does a poll. And they said the president seems to be closing the gap in Florida. They said it's now he's trying by one, which means none, 48 to 47. And in North Carolina, it's a three-point edge for Joe Biden. Where do you think this is heading, knowing that $100 million is coming into your state from Michael Bloomberg and Joe Biden's side? I, first off, I don't think – first off, if Bloomberg was great at ads, he'd be, he'd be the nominee, right? Didn't he spend, what, half a billion dollars? Yeah, uh, in ads and he got nowhere. So I, I, these, these, I think Biden and, and Trump are pretty defined. So Trump's going to win for it. I can, you know, I can tell you that here's and here's why. Number one is people want jobs. They, they know that Biden has had 47 years to figure out how to build the economy. He can't do it. They know that Trump had the best economy that we've had in decades. Number two, the, 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 the Florians like our law enforcement, our sheriff's department, police department are wonderful people. And, and the Democrats want to defund them. That's not what people in Florida believe. Next, Biden is part of the appeasement of dictators program. I mean, he, you know, he, he appeased Castro regime, appeased Maduro, appeased Xi. Floridians, a lot of them actually came from socialism. They know these dictators are bad. And so they're not going to be supporting that. So Trump's going to win. He, you know, he, he, he won last time on Florida. He'll, he'll win this time. And on top of that, there is no grassroots by the Democrats in Florida. I mean, there's no energy for Biden. Like, what would be my reason? Give me the pitch. What would be my reason to vote for Biden? Now, I think that I think the Trump campaign can do a better job of saying these are the clear differences. If you want a good economy, go for Trump. 
If you're not, if you want government to say how to lead your life, go for Biden. You want less law enforcement, you ought to go for Biden. That's what he's going to do. If you want more, if you want to support law enforcement, you ought to go for Trump. If you don't want to, if you don't want to appease dictators, then I'd go with Trump. Make it absolutely clear. These are what these are the things we're voting. And I think I think the Trump campaign can do a better job of doing that. Absolutely. So uh, the president's getting huge crowds on the road and he's outworking people. I think people like you and I mean that I would say it to anybody. Nobody outworks Rick Scott. And you'll outwork everybody. But the president also feels as though I'm not depending on any slick ad. He's actually bringing uh, some tapes now and some montages of Joe Biden's flip-flops onto the campaign trail. But he's packing them in. Most are wearing masks, thankfully. But people are showing up. There's still passion for him. But a lot of things, when you talk about the economy, is manufacturing. And what the president was trying to do and was gotten 400,000 manufacturing jobs back before the pandemic, that resonated with these boilermakers. This local 504 guy, his name is Sean Steff, he said this last night to Martha McCallum, cut eight. The boilermakers in Pittsburgh, local 154, we're fossil fuel driven. We build gas and coal-fired power plants. We maintain them. We play a large role in building petrochemical plants like the one in Manaka. We work on refineries, paper mills. So that's our bread and butter. Um, I don't know where Vice President, former Vice President Biden stands on uh, where he is at with fossil fuels and his Green New Deal or crucial framework, he's calling it, but he is flip-flopped. President Donald Trump is not flip-flopped. He's embraced the fossil fuels. He's embraced our energy, energy independence, and he knows what it takes to move forward in this country with manufacturing. Listen, everybody wants a clean environment. There's a responsible way to do it, but don't destroy the working men and women. That seems to be resonating and getting through, Rick. Well, he, he, he sounds like my dad. My dad was a truck driver. My dad just wanted his job. Does he, my dad wanted to improve the environment. My dad cared about everybody. And so there's a way to do this responsibly. But this Green New Deal, we're just going to shut down our, all of our, our, our fossil fuel industry? I mean, what are we thinking? We, we don't want to even have jobs in this country. We don't want to have an economy. This is their ideas. Defund the police. You know, the Democrats defund the police. The Democrats shut down on fossil fuel. The Democrats, you know, just, what they're saying makes no sense. I mean, how does this country even think about becoming socialist? I mean, that's what the Democrat Party is now. I mean, I want my grandkids to have the same shot of the dream. I grew up in public housing. I want them to be my, my, you know, their parents to be able to say, you know what? I don't care where you are. You can be anything. Well, if we have government telling us how to do everything, that's not going to happen. It doesn't happen. In, it doesn't. It's not happening in China. You can't be whatever you want. It doesn't happen in Russia today. You can't be whatever you want. Iran, you can't be whatever you want. I mean, in Venezuela. I mean, you know, just think about what's going on in Hong Kong right now, where you get you get you get thrown in jail because you want to leave for new opportunity. I mean, that's what's going on. We're gonna we're gonna fight this stuff, and Trump Trump will do it. Biden won't fight any of this stuff. He he he'll make friends. I mean, he's he'll make friends with everybody. And oh, that's that's just what it is. Remember, Biden said China wasn't even our competitor. Well, they sure as heck taken a lot of jobs from us if they're not a competitor. Senator Rick Scott, how concerned are you and your colleagues? I heard very about losing the Senate. I, I know. Look, I, I'm but I've been busting my butt to raise money to try to keep the Senate red. We have got to keep a Republican Senate. People 
So that's what I, that's what I spent all last week, uh, all last week doing. I know we have all of our incumbents are great senators. They do a really good job. And we've got some, we've got John James up in Michigan that can win. We've got Mark Ronchetta down in New Mexico that can, that can win. So we've got to figure out how we've to flip the seat in Alabama. Yeah, we're for sure going to get Tuberville down down in Alabama. So, uh, so we we got to win these races. We got to get people. We got to raise more money. And we got to get our vote out. Uh, and if we do, we're gonna we're we're gonna prevent all the bad things. I think Donald Trump's gonna win. I think we have a shot at the House, but but we know that we can keep the Senate. So we've got to fight to keep the Senate every day. And I'm gonna keep doing that. And I know everybody. Uh, all the Republicans in the Senate, they're up for election. They're working their tail off to keep uh, keep the election. But the Democrats, they're raising money. And, and the free sounds good. That's what they're selling. And they are. And uh, they are uh, raising you at least two to one. So in terms of a coronavirus relief uh, bill, I hear that Mitch McConnell doesn't want it, first and foremost, because he believes it'll screw up the schedule to vote Amy Coney Barrett in. I know you are a conservative by trade. You don't like to spend money you don't have. But is this a moment where you would like to see both sides come together in a deal? Absolutely. But, you know, here's the deal. We, we, Pat, we worked all of August. Republican senators worked with the White House almost every day for an entire month. We said, okay, we're going to have a targeted bill. Let's take care of the people that are on unemployment. We did. Now, let's remember, in August, Chuck Schumer went to the floor and blocked the extension of unemployment. We said, we're going to make sure we can help our small businesses get the economy open. We did in our bill. We said, we're going to get our schools open. We put money in for our schools, more money for testing, more money for vaccine, more money for the post office. And the Democrats block it. This is not about passing a bill. Pelosi and Schumer do not want to pass a bill. They want to have an issue that they think will help them win on November 3rd. That's all this is. So we're going to pass another bill again this week. We're going to pass a PPP program, and the Democrats are going to block it because they don't want to solve problems. They want to win elections. Republicans want to solve problems. I've I've been up here now a year and, what, nine or ten months. Republicans want to solve problems. Democrats want to win elections. That's, that's a, it's as simple as that. And so we, you know, we've got to get our story out that we're doing our job. Um, you know, but what I'm not going to do, Florida taxpayers are not going to pay for the pension plans that are unfunded in California and Illinois and New Jersey. Or Cuomo's budget, which is almost a double per person of Florida's. Cuomo, can, the governor of New York, I got elected at the same time. He never can balance a budget. He never can live within his means. His budget is almost double per person. Florida's, we're number one in higher education, way better than New York. We got way more job creation, way better than New York. We got better roads, way better than New York. And so how is that? Because he just wastes your money. I'm not going to have Florida taxpayers pay for it. It's not, it's not fair to the country. So these, the states need to start living within their means. They don't. This idea that they have to balance our budget, they don't balance their budget. They just borrow more money every year. And so, and and they don't pay. They don't. They make these obligations, and then don't pay them. They say, "Oh yeah, we're going to give you a yeah. pension. Oh, we're just not going to fund it." No, that's I hear fair. you. I hear you, Senator. But that's part of the negotiation. They want that stuff, and maybe there's a degree in which they can get it because a lot of firefighters and and cops were promised that, as as uh, irresponsible with the negotiations may have been. Uh, they are promised that there are some good people there. I wonder how they're going to get it. But Cuomo's the worst. He's doing a book tour in the middle of a pandemic, talking about uh, talking about how great he did during the pandemic. It's it's, it's laughable. It's tragic. It's laughable. Yeah. You look you look at you look at how he did. What he did is he did TV every day. That's what he did. 
I mean, he, you know, the look look at their results. I mean, you, you go, look, so what did he do to help other than tell you you couldn't live your life? What did he do to give you information so you could make a, a better informed decision by taking care of yourself? Other than just say, hey, stay home, do nothing. You sing in my song. I've had, I've so fed up with him from day one. He could write a good PowerPoint, but now he's telling us not to leave, uh, not to not cross state lines. You know, what is he, the rifleman, yeah. Chuck Connors? Uh, thanks, that Senator Scott. I, I hear you. Hopefully, uh, it'll be a productive 13 days for you and your party. All right. Thanks, Brian. Have a good day. Senator Rick Scott, former governor of Florida, speaking out. Don't move. Both sides, all opinions. It's Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. You really think that Donald Trump can be trusted as much as you could trust Joe Biden? Uh, I don't think I, I, I'm not trusting any of them. I'm just going by action. That's all I'm going by. I'm not going by words. I'm not going by rhetoric. Rhetoric. Not going by media spin. Not going by none of that. You know, I'm not. Uh, I'm not on nobody's team. I'm right. not on Team Blue. Not on Team Red. So then I have the that wrong. Person. Hold so- on. I'm an independent person, and I believe that's what black people need to do: is become independent, and we need to get something for our vote. You know, that may not happen. But it's it's gonna happen. Uh, that is absolutely true, and make people earn your vote. And that is uh, Ice Cube talking about that. And he got blowback because he came out and said that I'm working with the White House because I got a platinum plan that I'm supporting of that's going to help the African American community, not with handouts, but with opportunities. Jeff, listening in North Carolina. Hey, Jeff. Hey, how you doing today? Good. What's on your mind? I I um I actually went to a, a GOP uh, meeting and. Um, and I, as African American, and I remember talking to um, Dallas Greenhouse, who was the head of the uh, GOP, North Carolina GOP, and I asked about their outreach besides rural areas in in, in the state yep. of North Carolina, and he just basically said they had no interest in doing that. I I, I appreciate his honesty about it, but it just shocked me to hear uh, one of the two major groups in America um saying that and, who, but wait, I, who I, said I that to you honesty. who said that to you dallas greenhouse his name is dallas greenhouse he's the head of the he was the head of the gop here in the state of north carolina yeah he's that's the terrible head of it and the republican party doesn't change their tune they're going to be toast uh because they they have to and i think in many cases the president sees that and has done that could do a better job at doing it but he's got a big making some inroads Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Live from the Fox News radio studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox & Friends, it's America's receptive voice. 
Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Big hour coming your way. Chris Dyerwolf, bottom of the hour, put it all in perspective. Go inside the numbers on this election 13 days away. One day to the final debate. Eric Trump is next. He is lining up, of course, doing some great work for his dad, him and Don Jr. and Abaka and Lara Trump doing incredible work and Kimberly Guilfoyle on for the president uh, as really effective surrogates. But for the most part, as everybody knows, the president is his best surrogate and his best spokesperson. Yesterday, for the first time that I can remember, he actually rolled a montage of tapes of contradictions of Joe Biden saying something extremely valuable when it comes to fracking and Pennsylvania. It means a lot. He has been on every side of the issue. Lately, he's for it. But the problem is... When he was with Democrats, he was against it. You going to take that risk? Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. The negotiations have entered a new phase, which is more on the technical side of trying to get the language right if we can agree upon the numbers. We're still apart, still a number of issues to work on, but the last 24 hours have moved the uh, the ball down the field. So they're looking to get it done, maybe. COVID-19 cases rise. What does it mean for our rescue package? Is almost... Every democracy in the West has experienced a fall surge. What are the chances of a new stimulus package? Mitch McConnell says not a good chance, and he wants the president to back away. Is that the best way to make a case for your vote in November? Number two. What I would love to hear is an on-the-merits, based-on-the-facts denial of the fact that these are Hunter Biden's emails. I have yet to hear that. Uh, That is an exasperated Senator Mike Lee. Hunter's emails, another international business deal linked to yet another nation. Now Kazakhstan joins China, Ukraine, and Romania as places that Hunter does business. How is the rest of the media getting away with ignoring or misportraying this story? Why is big tech aiding the illusion? Number one. What we've noticed is that these polls are predominantly missing the you know the hidden Trump vote. These people are, are, are a lot more hesitant to not participate in polls. If you're not compensating for this, you're not going to get honest answers. And interesting, Robert Kahali, he is with different polls talking about the hidden Trump support. 13 days to Election Day. We got a debate at Belmont University tomorrow. Florida and Pennsylvania just revealed their polls and they're closing in with Florida, Northern Florida poll. It is now one point. And part of the reason why this is so close and why some in the Trump camp are so optimistic is because of polls like this one. So people were asked, what are, what are the chances of you putting a lawn sign or a bumper sticker on your car if you support Donald Trump? 68% said they would agree not to do it. It's not worth it. And 64% of Trump supporters said they would not put a bumper sticker on. When the Biden people were asked the same thing, only 38% wouldn't uh, put a lawn sign on and only 31% won't put a bumper sticker on your car. So when you talk about a hidden Trump voter, I think that's emblematic of just that. Joining us now, here is Eric Trump. Eric, welcome back. Hey, Brian. It's great to be on. So, uh, Eric, what do you think of that last poll? Does that does that do something of worth to you? Yeah, it is. Yeah, but what's what's incredible, and you know, Brian, I think you said this at the beginning of your show. I mean, I've literally logged tens and tens of thousands of miles across all the all the states, and you wouldn't believe how many Trump signs there are. So. If those if those Trump signs are only reflective of what you know, thirty five percent of the people that would actually be willing to put a Trump sign on on, on their lawn, I can't tell you how many Trump signs there'd be out there because everywhere I go, everywhere I go in Pennsylvania and North Carolina and uh, you know I was all over Michigan yesterday. You should you should see, you should see the love and support. It's unbelievable. I mean, 
every place we stop, we have 500, 1,000 people show up. And we're not, we're not the candidate. We're not on, on the ticket. We're just representing something, that, you know, somebody that we love tremendously. And you would not believe the support that's out there in the country. So if that only represents 35% of the, of the total love, I, I feel like we are going to have a, a wave that we've never seen before. So, so far, the polls, there's one poll, this uh, Investor Business Daily poll, shows that you're basically right at the same place you were last time. Remember, they've, project, they've successfully picked your, your dad to win. So now you're within three points in that poll, picked up five points in a week, despite a lot of these negative situations where I was just talking to Carl Rove last hour. If I pick up the New York Times and there's 10 stories, seven are negative directly to your dad, as well as the Washington Post. It is impossible unless you search for it to look at this story of two different parties and two different candidates to find only negative stories on one. Does this exceed 2016? Because it does for me. Yeah, in, in terms of enthusiasm, it definitely exceeds. I mean, I've never seen anything like it again, you know, when I'm out on the road. But what about the hits? America sees America sees through it. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, and, and I really do believe the media is, you know, incredibly desperate. I mean, they're, they're desperate. They're doing everything they can. You're, you're seeing it this week with the, the Twitter censorship and the Facebook censorship. I mean, I can't post something that they don't put a little exclamation point on, you know, why this could be misleading information. They're not doing that on the other side. I mean, Kaylee McEnany, who's the White House press secretary, you know her very well, Brian. I mean, she got thrown out of Twitter, off of Twitter the other day. The New York Post you know the you know third largest newspaper in the country and one of the oldest papers in the in the nation wrote a you know uh, wrote a bad article about you know Hunter Biden and his you know corruption and they they are still banned from from Twitter you see it every single day with Facebook you see it with what Google's doing every single day i mean people in this country see through it they see through the suppression they see what they're trying to do uh, they remember the polls from 2016 where they tried to do the exact same thing make no mistake these are suppression polls these aren't Accurate polls. Um, I think we're going to win by a larger margin this time than than we did in in 2016. I really believe that because I think our enthusiasm is better. When I see 50,000 cars in Miami, Latinos for Trump driving through Miami, 50,000 cars this Sunday. It was unbelievable. They actually counted them from a helicopter. And when I see that kind of love and I see these boat parades and I see these rallies that my father's having all over the country where – by the way, Brian, you know the statistics as well as anyone. I mean – 25, 27% of the people at every single rally, they're not Republicans. They're, they're, they're Democrats. You know, 20, 22% of everybody at these rallies has never voted before, meaning they didn't vote a last election cycle. About 15% of the people at these rallies haven't voted in the last four years, and all of a sudden they're out there dressed in Make America Great gear. I'm telling you, they're getting it wrong. People love the job that my father's done, um, and uh, they're, they're getting it wrong. And and I think they know it, too. I think the Biden campaign knows it. I mean, when you have to send Obama to, you know, center city Philadelphia to try and rally African-American support, um, I think that tells you everything you need to know about um, about where they think they are right now. So what's kind of interesting is that you have this Hunter Biden situation, and it says Joe Biden braces for Hunter Biden to come up. Experts and people that want the president, your dad, to win, like Mark Thiessen and Karl Rove said, don't make that the centerpiece. Because then they're going to turn around and start focusing on you. And Ivanka, evidently, they say, has different patents that are worth a lot of money in China since she started working at the White House. And do you agree that that might be something that could distract from the people's real lives? Um, no, I, I, I well, I mean, I think in terms of Ivanka, I mean, people, you know, China is the greatest predator, uh, predator of brands in the world. So everybody protects their brand. I mean, Coca-Cola has trademarks in China. Trump organization has trademarks in China. Otherwise, 
you know, the Chinese would be slapping, you know, Trump signs on every building in, uh, you know, in, in all over China. I mean, you'd have literally you'd have Trump hotels going up if you didn't do that. You have to do that. So could you explain that for the layman like me who doesn't do international business? So Ivanka has some trademarks in China. Why does she have to do that? Yeah, to protect her brand. Otherwise, you know, you know, Ivanka Trump would be, uh, you know, a magazine in China. And, uh, you know, there would be a... Uh, you know, there would be a hotel named Ivanka Trump in China. You have to do that to protect your brand. Otherwise, somebody takes your brand and they steal it. That's why you, you file, you know, trademarks. And, you know, China is the greatest predator of trademarks anywhere in the world. And it's, 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 it's why, frankly, my father's been so tough on them. They steal intellectual property. They steal people's trademarks. They steal their, their goods. They steal their, you know, their widgets they may make. They rip off every country around the world. I mean, you know, the difference between, you know, the Trump Organization and, um, you know, and, and Hunter Biden is, you know, we're one of the largest real estate companies, um, you know, in the country, uh, and we've been in international business for a very long time. Hunter Biden got into international business when his father became vice president. I mean, here's a kid that got kicked out of the Navy for doing cocaine, and all of a sudden, you know, three weeks later, you know, the Chinese government is giving him a billion and a half dollars to take back to his fund. People don't believe it. And, you know, what product was he selling and what was he doing? And, and, and everybody knows the answer to that question. I mean, the mayor of Moscow's wife gave him three and a half million dollars, three and a half million dollars. What, what did he do for that three and a half million dollars? And again, everybody knows the answer to that question. It's, it's, it's access. And at the same time, people see the job that my father's done. I mean, there's never been a better president in terms of the economy, um, unemployment, rebuilding the military, prescription drug pricing, peace in the Middle East, moving, you know, the embassy to Jerusalem, right to judges. try. I mean, I could go on. I could go on and on. Supreme Court, um, saving religious liberty. I mean, people. I think it's the biggest topic right now. I mean, the, the war on right. faith in this country, and you know, Democrats take out the words "under God" and the Pledge of Allegiance, the saving the. You know, Second Amendment in this country. And, but, and Eric, saving, let me just you know, uh, let me real quick, because I don't want to run out of time. So uh, the Wall Street Journal came out and says the Bidens need to answer the questions about these email, the laptop, and especially Joe Biden. One of the one of the excerpts is this. Joe Biden ought to clear the air on this China business in his own political interest. Is he the big guy in the email? He goes on. What happened with this deal? China will be one of Mr. Biden's toughest foreign policy challenges. And the unexplained documents won't go away once he's elected. If Republicans hold the Senate, you can bet there will be more digging so that that the wall street journal calling on that listen if it was fake i mean we we have fake news you know thrown at us every single day and guess what we come out we say it's fake news here's why it's fake and you know here's why it's a total joke and here they go again right i mean biden can't even refute this i mean the you you have a bill with the son's signature on it with the son's cell phone number on it from the computer store and now all of a sudden you see all these emails coming off this computer and, and now they're alleging Pornography, child pornography, and other things. I mean, you're seeing the, you know that go around the internet right now, and it's in the hands of the FBI and the Delaware State Police and and, and other people. This right. this laptop, and they're not even coming out. They're not even refuting this. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. If it was fake, don't you think they would come out and refute it? And ten million from the big guy and the other people, all the other people participants on that email have all come out and said. Yep, like that was from Hunter, and you know uh, when he's talking about the big guy, he's talking about his father getting the ten million dollars. I mean, they can refute it because they know that you know there, there's nothing to refute. They know it's fact, and and that's why the guy called the lid on it on Monday morning, and no one's going to see him until the debate on on Thursday night. You, you uh, got it. Yeah, it's, it's going to be crazy. They also bring up the tax record show. The New York Times had to do something on you guys. Then tax record show that China is one of the three foreign companies where. The president maintains a bank account and paid $187,000 in taxes. 
Yep. In, in, in order to look at any kind of deal um, over in, in China, you have to have a virtual office there. You know, effectively, you, you, you have to set up an entity in China. So guess what? We're a big hotel company, right? That's what we do. We look at deals all around the world. We've looked at deals in just about every country in the world. And and so, you know, yes, we're developers. We're developers. Right. We've looked at deals in, 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 in China because that's what developers who, who are in international business do. Now, we've never done anything in China. The difference, again, between, you know, us and, 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 and Hunter is we actually make a product. You know, we sell hotel rooms and we sell golf courses and we have members and we have other things. You know, the only thing that Hunter Biden was selling was access, um, access to his father. And, you know, you've got to love um, capitalism. Americans love, love capitalism. It's a great thing. We pay millions and millions and millions of dollars worth of taxes. I mean, Biden's never signed the front of a check in his life. He's been, he's been a leech on the United States government uh, for the last 47 years of his life. And it's very, very different. A son selling access to the United States government uh, to his father um, you know, versus a private company um, who builds hotels around the United States and around the world. I mean, just a very different thing. Absolutely. you got to run, uh, but we do have a lot to talk about. I know you're extremely busy. Uh, Eric Trump, best of luck in the sprint to the finish. Thank you very much, Brian. You got it. 1-866-408-7669. We'll come back and take your calls. And at the bottom of the hour, we put these numbers in perspective with Chris Darwell, talk about the best strategies for the debate going forward. And then at the top of the hour, I'm on, I, I am on outnumbered. I joined the cast. Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first, only on The Brian Kilmeade Show. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Oh, and you have to watch, you have to watch what we do to 60 Minutes. You'll get such a kick out of it. You're going to get a kick out of it. Leslie Stahl is not going to be happy. Uh, the President of the United States, another blowout. There's not a minute that goes by. There's not some sensationalistic story coming out of this White House. As the President says in his speech on his uh, appearance the other day, uh, you get the uh, politics going to be so boring when I'm done. So 60 minutes, for some reason, they do another interview with Leslie Stahl. Every time they do an interview, it's terrible. If you saw the look on Leslie Stahl's face, and we liked her. She came and did a great job on a show talking about her book. But she she had a look of disdain on Donald Trump's face, on her face, interviewing Donald Trump as the next president of the United States with his family there. It looked like she was being tortured. So knowing that she has that type of background, the first thing she said when she walked into the room reportedly was, are you ready for a tough interview? And just compare it with Donald Trump, Kamala Harris. Tell me about how you two met. You know it's going to be like that. So the president says, I might release this interview Early, just to give you an idea of why I ended it early. They still sat for 35 minutes. Derek, listen in Massachusetts. Hey, Derek. Hey, Brian. Yeah, you guys were talking about, um, you know, people not putting the yard signs out. Yeah. You know, I just put a, a new paint job on my car. You know, any, I'm here in Massachusetts, and there is no way I'm going to put, you know, I'm an outspoken I'm very outspoken. I mean, I post on Facebook and you know, I get my account shut off all the time, too. But people aren't going to go and put the yard sand signs out. No. If you wear the mega hat, you're going to catch a shake in the back of the head by these crazies out there. You know, we, where I do see the uh, the flags 
people put them on their trucks because they can put them in and take them out. You know, they drive down the highway. Yeah. Um, my family and I went uh, fishing in Quincy, Massachusetts, a few weeks ago under the Four River Bridge. You know, this is a, uh, and uh, um, and we had boats coming by with the Trump flags on them. You know, I know. We're sitting there fishing, and we got Trump flags going by on the boat. I was like, yeah, all right. You know, give them a thumbs up as they're going by. So we, I think there's a silent majority out there. People just, you know, look what we're dealing with. We got. Uh, I no, I hear you. And here's the here's the poll you're talking about. Sixty eight percent of Trump supporters agree they would not put a Trump sign in their yard. Sixty four percent said they would not put a sticker on their car. For Biden people, thirty eight percent said they wouldn't. So most of them would. Six in ten said they would. They don't have to worry about it because Trump people don't go around saying, how dare you vote for Joe Biden? Uh, They just are so proud of who they're voting for. Thanks, Derek. Tom, listening in Boston, Massachusetts. Again, signal must be clear there. Hey, Tom. Hey, um, Brian. uh, Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. I'm not even sure you're on the radio up here, um, but if not, you should be. There is a cloud. You listen on the stream? Thank you. All right, so what's um, going on? I just wanted to, I don't know if Eric's still listening, but it's important for the president tomorrow to point out that he's working for free. Not only is Joe Biden cashing checks from the U.S. government on his pension, what have you, he's also cashing checks from other countries, Kazakhstan, Ukraine, Russia, et cetera. So we should really reiterate that he is working for free and arguably costing him money based on the, the damage. His no question. Taken. No question. Fifty so, percent of the country wants nothing to do with anything with Trump on it. And the other ones, as you right. just heard, aren't going to be proud to be there because they don't want to deal with the backlash. Imagine you have a young family and people come up to you on the street, some 25-year-old who thinks Antifa is the way to go. Um, so I understand it. Ron in Jacksonville. Hey, Ron. How you doing? Appreciate my call. Hey, listen, we got 380 miles of wall. The president doesn't bring it up, right? That's right. So the, the point is, is that um, how many people did he keep out, illegals did he keep out? How many of those people would have had COVID? How many Americans were saved? Where is Fauci not applauding this? Biden says he's going to listen to the experts. Well, what were the experts talking about securing the border? And I think that Trump, I watch his rallies all the time. He never really brings that point up. He gets bashed with COVID every day. And that's a huge thing that he could tell the American people. Is he saved a lot of Americans by doing what he did with the wall. Absolutely. We do have a camera up there. Uh, you got to follow some of these guys because they keep the camera up on the wall and you watch the wall being put up. It's pretty inspiring. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. I've said for a while, I think I see the president winning with a minimum of high 270s and possibly going up significantly higher based on just how big this undercurrent is. What we've noticed is that these polls are predominantly missing the, you know, the hidden Trump vote. There is a clear feeling among conservatives and people that are for the president that that they're not interested in sharing their opinions uh, so readily on the telephone. We've seen people be uh, beat up, harassed, doxxed. These people are, are a lot less hesitant, I mean, are more hesitant to 
not participate in polls. So if you're not compensating for this, if you're, if you're not trying to give them a poll that they can participate in with a lower threshold that would make them feel more comfortable that it's anonymous, you're not going to get honest answers. Uh, joining us now to expand on that uh, is Chris Dyerwell, political editor for Fox News. He also does the halftime report every day. Uh, when the whistle blows, when we're halfway through the day, then you'll see the halftime report show up on your doorstep. Chris Dyerwell, welcome back. Good to be with you, my friend, as always. Yeah, so how do you feel about that poll, the explanation on that poll? Well, uh, so that's the Trafalgar Group guy, right? Yep. So that's the Republican pollster from Georgia who says that Trump's winning. And nobody else thinks that. Not even the good, pe- good, not even the good people of Rasmussen reports. Uh, the, the former uh, safe haven uh, for President Trump that says he's, or last I checked, that even they say he's losing. I don't, you know, maybe he's right and everybody else is wrong. I don't know. It's, it's possible. Uh, it's not likely, but it's possible. So how do you feel about Investor Business Daily uh, last week, 13th, 5142 Biden this week or two weeks later, 48 to 45.8 Biden? Um, so we would expect So here. Let, let's put let's put it in framework. In 1992, at the close, Bush was down 10 points to Clinton. And Bush ended up only losing by six. And along the way, uh, probably, you know, saved a lot of Republican seats. Uh, You know, there's a track. Obama closed well. He, uh, two weeks out, was down. I just did this recently. But he was down uh, a point and a quarter to Romney. Two weeks out, uh, he finished in the average of polls one point up and one by four. So there's certainly a track record for incumbents closing well. Uh, in Trump's case, he'd have to close. He, from this point in 2016, the race closed five and a half points uh, until the end. Um, that wouldn't be enough this time for Trump. He would have to do more. And, of course, there are fewer undecided voters le- available well, to him What do you mean time. by close five and a half on the national poll? Yeah, the national polls from two weeks out in 2016, the, the, the gap closed by five and a half points. And that's what brought Trump to the point that the, the Electoral College victory, that he could pick the lock, right? Uh, the, and he, he lost the national popular by 2.1. So the national polls were pretty accurate. In 2016, the state polls missed uh, in a lot of cases, or there weren't enough of them anyway. Uh, and Trump, the, the close in 2016 was really good for Trump, but it's harder for incumbents because there are going to be fewer undecided voters uh, in an incumbent in an incumbent year in a, re, in a retention election year. And even in those years, though, there's strong evidence of incumbents closing well. And that happened for even losing losing incumbents like George H.W. Bush. Interesting. So we'll see where uh, where this goes as national polls become less and less relevant uh, down uh, as we get closer and closer. Well, I, I, I would I'd, I'd put it a, a different way. I'd say that what we want to see out of a state poll now is, is it close or is it not close? And if it's close, put it on the shelf and wait and see. We'll see. Right. If the polls are close, then you just say that's a close state and it's going to be one of the seven or eight that we're going to be watching the most intently. What the national polls are going to tell us is what is the mood? What is the what is the attitude of the electorate? And what the attitude of the electorate was four years ago was that 
undecided voters broke heavily for Trump and Trump closed the gap. And you can pick those. You can still pick those up in the national polls. You're just not going to get enough state level data to do that sort of daily tracking stuff. So let's talk about a state poll. The University of Northern Florida Public Opinion Research just did a poll. It's a one point lead for Biden in Florida. Is that what you're seeing? I mean, just what I just said. It's how's Florida going to be? It's going to be close. And if you think about the way polling margin of error works, <clears throat> I don't remember what the margin of error in that poll is, but a typical margin of error is three or three and a half points. So let's say that the poll says that Biden is at 48 and Trump is at 47. If there's three points, so that means Biden could be at 52. Is that right? No, 51. Uh, or he could be at uh, 45. And that means that Trump could be at 50 or Trump could be at uh, 44. And the, those final numbers represent the dot in the middle of those margins of error. That's the center. That's the highest point of probability. But any point along that continuum is within that margin of error. So that's why I say when you see a state poll like that and it says it's one point, what you should just take away from it is this is a very close race. And we're going to have to watch it. So uh, let's talk about what's happening with this coronavirus rescue package. Mitch McConnell, latest I hear, he does not want to put anything up for a vote before Amy Coney Barrett. He thinks it'll give Democrats an opportunity to delay. Is he right? Of course. And the Republicans I've talked to, I, I have been working my sources on the Hill. And the Republicans in the Senate are furious. They are so disgusted by Mnuchin and Pelosi. They're so mad because what they're trying to do is jam the Republicans at the end. So the Republicans passed a $500 billion coronavirus, or they didn't pass, their conference agreed upon and they got uh, all Republicans except for Rand Paul voted for this package. And then Pelosi came back with a $2.2 trillion package. And then the, Trump said, well, I'm walking away. This is no good. I've talked to McConnell. I've talked to uh, McCarthy. This is not what Republicans want. We've got a 31 or $3.1 trillion deficit. Uh, our debt is out of control. We're not even sure that these measures are necessary or help or how helpful they are. And they also do. They're also a big bailout for government worker unions and big cities. We don't want it. And Trump walks away. But then Trump is trailing and trying to catch up. And what incumbent wouldn't like to dump two trillion dollars into the economy a, a week before the election, right? Uh, so he Trump decided he really wants it. So now Mnuchin and Pelosi are basically teamed up against the Senate Republicans. And they are just hopping mad that with the Senate on the line, that they're being forced into this position by the White House. So here, here's what I, I say, and I hear that too, but here's what I'm hearing from people like Cory Gardner, from people like Tom Tillis and Joni Ernst, that helps them. You know, it's it's here's here's the thing. We will will never be able to know. There's no public opinion way to know if the Republican Senate votes for a Nancy Pelosi authored two point two trillion dollar stimulus package the week before the election. Does that help with persuadable voters? I guess maybe it does for those senators. But boy, for a lot of conservatives, that's going to be a big turnoff. That's a big turnoff. Well, and whether, Mc whether McConnell is forced 
to whether Trump forces McConnell to basically put it on the floor and let it pass with the with the not a majority of Republicans and with the Democrats riding herd on it. I, I think, it, yes, there are upsides to it. But boy, there are huge downsides. So yes, something really horrible happened last week. I don't want to bring you back to this moment. It's so horrific. Senator Feinstein noticed Amy Coney Oh, I thought Barrett's... you were going to talk about Jeffrey Tubin. No. I thought you were going to talk about my right. goodness. That uh, was you know, a close call. If you don't mind, Chris, I have too much respect for you to bring you there. <laughs> and I have too much respect for my audience to have them picture it. That's why the, the beauty of radio. So, yes. so something terrible happened. I mean, it's horrible. At the end of the Amy Coney Barrett hearing, Senator Feinstein said, thank you, Senator Graham, for running such a, I'll just paraphrase, respectful hearing. And at the yeah. end, they hugged. And I, I hated to bring you back to that horrible moment when a Democrat and Republican trauma. showed respect. So they were outraged on the left. Now, I thought we'd stay under the current. But listen to Chuck Schumer yesterday. Cut 29. Some progressive groups have spoken out criticizing Senator Feinstein for her handling of the hearings. I was wondering what you make of this criticism, and do you plan to make any changes to the Judiciary Committee? Okay, I've had a long and serious talk with Senator Feinstein. That's all I'm going to say about it right now. Wow! How, <laughs> what, where does he get all the patience? She knows, How dare she knows he show so much patience with an 88-year-old? She knows she's in trouble. She's had, we've had, I've had a stern talking to. She's had a stern talking to. Um, here's th- this foreshadow. So let's say that Trump doesn't close the gap. And let's say that Biden wins. And let's say even that Democrats takes the Senate. The demands we, we have had now basically three consecutive presidents whose mandate was to not be the other person or to be the person in office. Yes. Obama's mandate was to not be Bush. Uh, and Trump's mandate was to not uh, be Hillary Clinton. And so he fulfilled his mandate, his biggest mandate on day one. If Biden wins, and especially if Biden wins in a in a in a route, the progressives are going to be so thirsty and so demanding and all of the things that they want. And of course, they will not understand that it will be because of moderate and persuadable voters that they won. They'll say that we won because we were had the best policy on uh, the Green New Deal and its implications for uh, transgender social justice is what they will say. And it will be hell on wheels for guys like Schumer and especially for Biden as the woke brigades and the progressive left come storming in. And it, uh, you know, it's people have compared it to Lyndon Johnson's situation towards the end of his presidency, that it could be like that. We'll see. But boy, I do not envy those cats trying to deal with uh, the woke left. Right. I mean, we have the same thing with the New York and Washington Bureau. One time you were spotted talking to me, and, and uh, Brett Baer really laced into you. And I felt well, bad for you. I mean, you got you got to say it's not without cause. That's, <laughs> you know, <laughs> different. Yeah, you just felt pressured because you like Allison. So you felt pressured to talk to me, and you got all this like blowback. Th- I like to think of you as the Diane Feinstein of the New York Bureau. Thank you very much. Only one of us is not dyeing their hair. <laughs> uh, Chris Steyerwald, thanks so much. Appreciate it. When, yeah, we, when we come back, there's more to know. But at the top of the hour, I'll be on Outnumbered. I'll be the man. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Welcome back, everybody. Brian Kilmeade. We're just finishing up this hour at the top of the hour. I'm going to be doing Outnumbered. I look forward to doing that, talking a little bit more for an hour and see if I look as good as I did 
uh, for Fox and Friends or different. So let's find out with the time we have remaining if there's indeed more to know. More to know. You know, we had a chance to talk to Matthew McConaughey uh, on the show today. And why not keep it in Hollywood and start with this? Chris Pratt who just married into the Schwarzenegger family, has been criticized for skipping a Joe Biden fundraiser. Evidently, it was themed on the Avengers. He's star, they were one of the star actors there. He opted out of the pro-Biden event on Tuesday, called the, quote, Voters Assemble, the cast of Avengers Unite for Democracy. Following a, a, a weekend filled with social media targeting of Chris Pratt for breaking ranks, guess who went to bat for him? Robert Downey Jr., no stranger to controversy. He said, what a world. The sinless, I'm sure sarcastic, are casting stones at my brother Chris Pratt, a real Christian who lives by principle, who has demonstrated who has demonstrated nothing but positivity and gratitude. And he just married into a family that makes space for civil discourse and insists on service as the highest value. A few things. He then continued... Continued to say, if you take issue with Chris, I've got a no- novel idea. Delete your social media accounts, which I think is great. One. Two, I think you just wanted to use this story as an excuse to name drop Matthew McConaughey. I think I did. Yeah. Uh, no doubt about it. Evidently, he uh, he wrote a great book. we got to get him on, Allison. I'm trying. Because his book is about him. About He's been keeping a journal since he was about 10. Oh, wow. So he put it into all what he's learned along the way. Kind of an unorthodox grow, uh, uh, youth where his mom and dad got divorced twice and remarried three times, where he opens up where they're physically going at each other. The mom hit the dad in the head with the uh, phone after the dad threatened her because she called him fat, and then he throws ketchup on her. This is the opening scene in his book. He said he was a little kid. He used to hide behind the couch, but uh, it ended in an X-rated fashion. An X-rated fashion? Yes. Next, World Series Game 1. The Dodgers are three games away from a World Series title. They've been there a lot lately. Final score against the Rays in game one, eight to three. Mookie Betts contributed literally in every way possible and left. Uh, he was fantastic, uh, acquired in the offseason. And Clayton Kershaw, a rare postseason victory. He had eight strikeouts. He moves to second all time in the history of the game. It was also the least attended World Series ever. Because? <laughs> of the pandemic. Yeah, about 10,000 people were able to go. Next. NASA makes an historic landing on an asteroid because they can. It's Osiris Rex. It descended onto the asteroid and extended its 11-foot robot arm, which collects rocks and dirt samples from the surface. This marks the first time the U.S. has gathered samples from an asteroid. Asteroids contain material from the early solar system, which is before we were all born. The lengthy descent mission took four and a half hours. Next time, uh, it's now located 200 million miles from Earth. It's also known as Osiris. And, um, what did I say? Osiris? Osiris. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we're, we'll get these samples back in 2023 when Osiris lands. Right. Back to Earth. And then we'll prove it was an asteroid. We believe this happened, right? I think so. I don't because think Because someone... it's really hard. Hey, Eric, do we believe this happened? You're the space guy. All signs point to yes. It all so signs point to yes? Yeah. All right. It seems like we're showing off a little bit. I mean, like we're doing it because the moon is, doesn't move. Don't you think it would be like an overly dramatic, you know, scene? Like everyone in the uh, NASA, right, in their blue shirt standing up and cheering? I know. Well, the thing is, it lands and it's going to come back, which is unbelievable, right? It's going to, we're, we're getting it back. First time ever from an asteroid. Yeah. I remember the Voyager, we sent the Voyager out to another galaxy with a record, with just what we sound like, the voiceover. 
Really? We hope that the, the next society that we find is about 40 years behind us. It's the 1970s. Luckily, we'll be long gone before that happens. Right. We'll have to see if we get an answer. Anyone have a turntable here? I think another civilization wants to sing for us. Next, athletes fear being judged as weak if they reveal they are hurt. Researchers in Ireland say many athletes admit they fear being judged by others. A team at Trinity interviewed 25 experienced rowers. The group had an average of over 12 years in the sport, but dealt with lower back pain. But they did not complain. They do want to be looked at as weak. Does anyone identify with that? Um, yeah, you can't at all, right? No, I can't. Yeah, you walked around maybe limping for a while. Oh, that's right. I did. I put off back surgery for... Two months uh, to do my book tour. Next, nearly half of drivers find their own cars confusing. (laughs) They don't even know how to pop the hood. I have to say, that is me. That doesn't Uh, surprise me. It does not surprise (laughs) me. Because why don't we just get together and tell me where the latch is on all cars? Make it right underneath the hood so we don't look stupid. (laughs) Well, now. Aren't they usually all under the hood? Have they moved them? No, but it should be right here under the hood, not like in the grill. Right here. That's very effective for radio. Uh, That's right. I forgot (laughs) not everybody has Fox Nation. Uh, Meanwhile, an online poll finds that three in ten motorists are also unaware of how to put air in their tires. That's ridiculous. One in four have no clue how to check their tires tread. Come on. Put a quarter in there and see how deep it is. And then find out how much the guy wants to make money off you as he says, these are dangerous. I can't just change one. I need to change all four for your own good. And you always say yes to that. I always do. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Watch me on Outnumbered in a matter of moments on Fox News Channel. See you tomorrow on Fox & Friends. But keep it here on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.